listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes we're going to be talking all things food and drink. I'm joined by my fellow presenter Jane Payton who is one of the UK's leading experts on beer and cider which is just as well today. You're a beer sommelier as well, aren't you? I certainly am. And I we have a table in front of us with beers, cans, bottles, glasses. Can't wait. I know. Well, oh, and two lovely brewers as well, I must say. Of course we have. Of course we have. Um, so before we start, though, tell me actually what a beer sommelier is. Is it just something you just call yourself? Yeah, I made it up. Yeah. Um, it's actually an official accreditation through the Beer and Cider Academy, which is the official education body for beer and cider in, in Britain, the recognised education. Unlike a wine sommelier, where sommeliers tend to work in restaurants, beer sommeliers tend to be freelance. They're more likely to be writing, educating, advocating, not being employed in restaurants necessarily, because beer is seen as a low-value drink. And which is a crime. Which is an absolute crime. Yep. So um, the, you find your your income elsewhere as a beer sommelier. Right, but it, but you do have to go through, it's like exams and stuff. You do basically. exams, so you pass your exams and then you have to do a practical examination, which is blind tasting, identify different styles, be able to describe them, to match with food. What they're really keen to do is to get people advocating for beer and bring a different perception of what beer is and what beer can be, that it is a great casual drink for glugging at the barbie or on the beach or when you're hot, but also because it's so diverse, you know, there's more than 150 different styles of beer. And for me, it goes better with food than any other alcoholic drink because it's much more diverse. You know, with Mm. beer, you get sweet, sour, bitter, um, savoury beers, salty beers even. You've got a beer for every occasion, every dish of every meal in the um, on the menu. In fact, I did a beer and food matching throughout the day. I started with breakfast, went all the way through. Beer at breakfast, nice one. You get breakfast stouts. Do you? You do. Mm. Uh, but all sorts of things. And um, it's just the best drink. And it's the world's favourite alcoholic drink as well. Of course it is. Well, we're, we're joined by Chris McKenzie of uh, Sellerhead. Thank you, Chris. Hi. Good afternoon. And our other expert is Eddie Gadd of Gadd's. Good afternoon. Right, so um, these lovely gentlemen have bought some of their beers uh, with them. So we're going to do a tasting, which is right up your street. Um, first of all, we're going to we're going to sort of taste um, both Gads and Salaheads side by side. Uh, we're not we're not sort of competing, uh, but we're we're trying to look at the different styles and what they are. So the first ones we've got are uh, a pale ale and a pilsner. Mm-hmm. Now pale ale's in a bottle, pilsner's in a can. So first of all. What is the difference between an ale, pale ale in this instance, um, and a pilsner, which I'm guessing is a lager? It is. It's a style of lager. So the way I'm going to open these while you're talking. Okay. The way I describe it to people who ask that question, and by the way, that is the number one question that people ask me. What is the difference between ale and lager? So I describe it as a family tree of beer with different branches. Um, So beer has three branches in the family tree of beer. 
ales, which includes porter stout, milds, best bitters, India pale ale, dozens of different ales. And then the lager branch, which includes Pilsner, we're about to try one, Hells, Dunkels, Schwarz beers. There's all sorts of German and Czech lager styles. And then the third branch is a, a style of beer that most people haven't had, and it's sour and it's wild fermentation. So wild yeast has been used to ferment the beer, whereas with lagers and ales, it's a cultured yeast. So ale has a, a strain of cultured yeast. Lagers have a, a strain of cultured yeast to ferment. And the biggest difference between those three branches is actually the, the strain of yeast. Oh, so it's the yeast that is the differentiator, so to speak. I would say it's the biggest differentiator. Now, if you get down a bit further with an ale and a lager, the mineral content of the water is important. And you're going to taste this, the difference, because what the water content does is contribute towards the body of the beer. That's one of the things that contributes to body. So the water to make a lager is very low in mineral salts, whereas the ale water is higher in mineral salts, and that does affect the mouthfeel and the texture. So if you're ever blind tasting, in fact, we, we should do it now, blind taste, the, the pale lager, the pilsner, with the pale ale, and... You'll notice different things about the two beers, but one of the things is the body. I've just poured those out for you. Okay. Um, so we've got Chris's Cold Cool English Pilsner, which to me looks um, light, lighter in colour. Is that generally, or is it just, it, it can be any type of colour depending on... Um, a pale ale will be pale-ish. Now, yep. there's no law on what the colour will be. In fact, technically, if you've been an, an anorak, and I am... <laughs> What we call bitter, a pint of bitter, is a pale ale. Now, you look at a bitter and it's actually copper coloured or amber coloured, but it was pale in comparison to the porters. And we're going to drink one of Eddie's porters later, which is always a dark beer. So in comparison to the dark beer of the porter, the pale ale was pale. Right, so we're going to have a little taste. So, um, Chris, uh, tell me first about your, your, your pilsner. This is in a can. This is a, an all English uh, pilsner, which... We've used English hops. Um, mm. It was something we wanted to add to our product range. We were getting a lot of requests for a lager-style beer. Um, when we started, we are very much a traditional cask and bottle brewery. The pandemic forced us, like many businesses, not just breweries, of course, um, to look at our product offering and diversify. And one of the things that was always on our to-do list was um, to create a lager, a pilsner. So we, we took the opportunity during the pandemic to do that. And we think we created a... A nice, light, easy-drinking beer. Um, it's not overly hoppy. It's not ridiculous in terms of strengths. Um, lagers can be, you know, as, as James was explaining, you know, the, the diversity of beer. Mm. Um, what's been created now um, is just phenomenal. When you think, you know, seven, eight years ago, you, you had Carling and Foster's, and that was pretty <laughs> that much... That was a, about it, yeah. That was the default setting. <laughs> um, so you had to create something that, you know, we want people to drink, and, mm. you know, it's open to, to everyone. And Eddie, what, what are you thinking about that, that uh, Pilsner? Oh, I'm thinking it's excellent. Good oh, job for you. Thank goodness for that, Thanks, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm really, really impressed. Love it. Yeah. So you get a real cleanness with Pilsner. Very clean. So clean on the palate. And mm. um, some beers you get a bit of a... Which isn't a very good... Um, bit clarty. Bit clarty, exactly. You don't get that with lager beers. So um, there's reasons for that. But that is a real clean... Mm. drink isn't it mm. that for I, me is um it needs to be cold and uh, it's yeah i mean it's it's, it's been in the van i mean took them out of the fridge about an hour and a half ago yeah. so it's probably a couple of degrees a bit too warm um, but, but nonetheless but, you know again as jane said we you know we want the beer to be clean fresh and crisp and that's kind of that's sort of the barbecue in the garden yeah great for barbecue the beach 
Perfect. Now we're gonna we're gonna cross reference that mm-hmm. against Eddie's pale ale. Mm-hmm. Now I understand that as an ale. That is what I think of as an ale. Mm-hmm. But that's quite hoppy. Okay. But I don't know what I mean by saying that. Yeah, we we had this conversation <laughs> earlier, didn't we? And there are some things that you can't actually put into more words than just that. Malty is another one. When people mm. say, oh, yeah, it's malty. And you go, well, actually, what does malty mean? I always find it really useful to, in any tasting notes, to equate it to something else that people are familiar with. Mm. So, for instance, if you were talking about maltiness, it might be more enlightening or people might understand more if you said, oh, digestive biscuits or shredded wheat or something like that. So what you mean by hoppy, I think in this case, is bitterness. Yes, I think you're right. Yes. It's lovely. Whereas you get bitterness with porters, but your bitterness from porter tends to come from roasted malts. Yeah, which is what my taste profile I prefer. Yes. So the difference between these two? It's much more golden in colour. Yes. So if you taste it, well, smell it, smell it and taste it. So swirl it round in the glass, just as as you would if you were drinking wine. So you're smelling it, you're getting certain aromatics. What you're getting with the Pilsner Lager, you're getting a really... Almost a sweet corn Mm. and a sweet biscuit aroma, which is really characteristic of a a Pilsner lager. With your pale ale, you're going to get your hops. So the hops are coming through on that. But what you'll also get is some of that malt aroma coming through. Again, biscuits or pizza base, that sort of thing. Mm. Can you taste, can you feel the difference oh, with the body though? Totally different. Yeah. Totally different. So one's a lager, one's an ale and the body is very different. The texture's really different. Um, and Eddie, what's your thoughts about creating this? What was it? I mean, uh, it's the essence of a, of a, of a pale ale. We had, a, I had this vague notion of brewing a beer that spoke to modern Kent. It sounds a bit... I even wrote it down on the first brew sheet. And I can still go back and read it, and it's uh, yeah, and it's um, and I think we, oh, I, I'm I'm still trying, I'm still mm. trying, but it's it's a dry hopped English pale ale using locally grown Goldings, and uh, I think it won Taste of Kent Awards seven times Ooh. or something. I mean, that is a really classic English ale, isn't it? If you yeah. if you were introducing somebody to what an English beer is, I think that would be the beer to to say this is an English pale ale. A classic, and because you're using Kent hops and those old school varieties as well, but that still appeals to a modern palate. I think that does. I think if it, I think it comes down to technique and the way you use them. Mm. So you'll find that um, all three beers that I brought along today have got East Kent Goldings in. They're all they're all different. Yeah, because of different techniques. Could you explain to listeners what dry hopping is? That's a brewing term that they may not be familiar with. So after the beers fermented and before it goes for packaging we'll steep some uh, some hops into the beer and leave it for a, a week or so and we get a, a particular character of hop flavor and aroma doing that um, it's quite it's a little bit more pronounced than if we're using them during the brew itself and you get different it brings out different aspects so for instance with these kent goldings if you dry hop them if you dry hop your beer with these kent goldings you'll bring the lemon out of these kent goldings Whereas um, you get more spice and honey if you, you're using the hops in the brew house itself rather than dry hopping. So it's not just the hops that are giving you a, a taste profile, it's the way you're brewing it. There's all sorts of combinations of getting that, that taste profile. So you could have exactly the same hops, exactly the same malt, 
but a different brewers will come up with a with, with different taste. And also, um, you know, the heat, for instance, during brewing will take different things out of the the hops but if you're dry hopping it then it's cold conditions so your aromatic profile will be different um i mean some brewers even stick them into the cask don't they you know for cask ale will stick hops in in the cask as well that's very much the uh, yeah the old school technique mm. i don't think many people do it these days it, we do do you yeah is it messy to to clean no, out the not, casks no, uh, no we you just got fish out your tea bags at the end um <laughs> we put them into um um, so like marmalade bags, and mm-hmm. um, we use Strang's number seven for a pub, one of our local pubs. Um, he absolutely loves Strang's number seven, um, which we dry hop for him. Um, and it's, it's our session pail that we just do a tweak on it. This dry hop Strang's seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, if you'd like to, we've bought, we've bought a um, now we didn't like calling it a spittoon last time we did some wine tasting. Um, but what do we call it now? Uh, um, uh, we're calling it the beer spa. So, so if you'd like to just peer, pour <laughs> the remaining beer spa. I've got some water here if you want to swell out your glass. Now, the next one we have here is um, we've got the two here. So we've got green hop, Gad's green hop ale, which has got malt and hops, I believe. Yeah. So the, both, the, um, both the next two beers from Cellarhead and from Gad's, they're both green hop beers. Green hop beers differ from other kinds of beer in that the, with, they're brewed with freshly picked hops specifically before the hops are dried so under normal circumstances the hops are dried as soon as they're picked otherwise they will um, they will compost very quickly if we're brewing in kent we've got the opportunity to intercept those hops before they go for drying the drying process there's about there's 400 known flavor and aroma compounds in hops and during the drying process some of those compounds will be driven off which is why an oast house smells amazing. And some of those flavour compounds will be changed. So brewing beer with undried hops gives us an opportunity to extract different flavours that you wouldn't otherwise come across. It's quite a tricky thing to do. But Can you imagine? It's absolutely great fun. And being brewers in Kent and Sussex, it's amazing. We're spot for choice. Yeah. So so um, now, Jane, here we've got the Cellarhead Jester. Mm-hmm. And as, as I said before, we've got Gad's Green Hop Ale. Mm-hmm. So Jester means that's the hops that are being used. Is that correct? Jester yes. hops? Jester is a variety of hop. It's oh, an right. English, it's a new one. It's a newish one anyway. So hop breeders are constantly breeding new varieties of hops. And this is a single variety beer so the variety is Jester and um, Eddie's beer I think did you say it was a, a blend of East Kent Goldings and Challenger did you say? No just East Kent Goldings. Okay so th- so East Kent Goldings is a really trad hop from the 18th century. Jester is a 21st century hop. Oh. I know and um, green hopped and it's exciting because um, you have to rush them it's like Beaujolais Nouveau isn't it you rush the hops to the to the brewery <laughs> within 24 hours and you brew within 24 hours of picking them normally don't you or is it 48 it's typically it's the same morning um, wow. we dispatch the guys off at sort of 8 o'clock um, the hops in Jester that came from Hodes Farm in Burbosh mm-hmm. and we did three green hops this year the other two were Bullion and Ernest again Certainly Bullion's a, a very classic English hop. Um, and we, we get them pretty much from the hop farmers from 8, 9 o'clock in the morning. Wow. They, know we're, they know we're coming to get them. They're already picked and bagged. And you've got 90, well, in our, in our case, we use 90 kilos per brew. So you've got three big um, hop pokes in the, in the back of the van. And the smell, I mean, as Eddie was mentioning, it's, 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 it's almost heady. It's so rich. Mm. Um, so so this one is the, is the darker of the two, is mm-hmm. that right? And that's called Jester. 
What's your thinking on the, on the difference between those two? It's like tasting different wines with different grapes, isn't it? Can't it is. Yeah. Um, Jester, you are getting some citrus coming through. That is a predominant popular flavour and aroma currently, citruses. So a lot of hop breeders want that because that's what the market wants at the moment. What they're trying to do is to have a replication, English version of the big new world hops, particularly the American hops, Cascade, Citra, which are massively lemony yeah, and grapefruity. Yeah, I can really taste that citrus edge on here. And that's just coming from the hops. Yes. That hasn't been added. No, just the hop. Now, what happens in British grown hops is because of the climate we have here, they are very rarely irrigated. So it's natural irrigation through rainfall, mm. plus the, cl- the cloud cover in, in England, it, you know, the, it's quite cloudy quite often. So you don't get that <laughs> intensified sunlight, which sunlight intensifies hops oils in hops that give aroma and flavour and bitterness as well. So the New World hops are grown irrigated and in much more sunny conditions. So they're much more powerful and flamboyant. Whereas English grown hops... like Americans. Exactly, exactly that. Or a big jazz band. Whereas an English hop is more like a quartet. Understated. Understated. And they make fantastic session beers. Mm. So, you know, British session beers are blooming amazing because we yeah. sit in the pub drinking lowish alcohol beers, which have a beautiful balance to them. And you just want to keep on drinking them and chatting with your friends, watching the footy or whatever. And you can't do that if you've got these humongously powerful hops, which the New World hops are. Well, but they're for different occasions, presumably. Mm-hmm. Eddie, what's your take on that on the Jester IPA? Oh, uh, <coughs> fabulous. It's a beautifully made beer. Uh, I think the hops are really interesting, yeah. They mm. they are kind of a, a nod towards the new world, citrusy and, mm-hmm. and quite modern, quite mm. modern. It's, when you taste it next to the um, the East Kent Goldings beer, it's, you know, there's a gulf of uh, modernity between them. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't think I'd use that word, actually. I would just, they are just different. They're different beers for different people's tastes um, and possibly for different occasions, which is what you were saying at the beginning, isn't it? That's what beer mm. is so versatile. I mean, just in those two beers there, you can taste how different they are. With the Gads beer, you get the malt coming through, that biscuity um, base of the beer, with the hops laid on the top of it, whereas the Jester is slightly more dominant in terms of its, um, what it's giving to the beer. Mm. But, um, you know, two very similar beers, styles. They're both pale ales, but yet so they're different. different. Yeah. yeah, so different. But again, you know, we've talked about this so many times, haven't we, on this show, you have to really think about what you're eating and drinking and give it some respect. Otherwise, you just drink and swallow and don't even think. Absolutely. So what would you... I'm just going to open... Oh, let's go for... Yes, the Cellarhead we... New England IPA on Niper. New England IPA in a minute. Well, that'll... I mean, that'll be... Sorry, that will dovetail back to what Jim was just saying about the powerfulness of American hops versus mm. English hops. I mean, that right there is... That's all American hops that's in there. And, yeah. I mean, you'll see as soon as you open the can the aroma and the smell, the intensity that comes through. Right, so I'm going to do that uh, while we're using the beer spa to go on to the next bit. Um, but what would you eat, for example, with with the um, the, the pale ales that we've just had? What, what would go really well? So you go into the pub. Yes. You've got Eddie's green hot beer there. Yes. With Kent Golding hops. What would taste great to order in the pub? Well, if we're in the pub and we're having trad pub grub, then it's got to be sausage and mash. Really? Bangers and mash. Um, People say, oh, yeah, you know, beer and and curry. 
And they go, oh, yeah, IPA and curry. Well, no, because what spice does, it intensifies bitterness. Right. So what you should be having with your curry, anything really spicy, if it's an Indian spice, you should be having a pale, a, a bitter, like a traditional bitter, because they're not massively bitter, actually, even though they're called bitter. Yeah. They're not massively bitter. They, they've got a sweeter edge to them. So a brown ale or a trad best bitter with a curry. But with these two beers here, these pale ales, fish and chips. Oh. So you get that um, ability to cut through the fattiness of the... Of the um, of the fish and chips. That's it, yeah. Sunday so you roast. Lost, you I know want lost. my Sunday roast with that. Would you? Yeah. Oh, I see. I okay. do, but I also want my Sunday roast with Eddie's porter that we're going to have. I know. Well, I see, I think porter goes great with a big stew. Oh, Beef yeah. bourguignon. Yeah. Right, we haven't got to that one yet. So the next one we have got is 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 the one that Chris was just talking about. So um, it's the Cellarhead Wonderland New England IPA with American hops. Um, do you want to just describe this to us, Chris? Um, again, this is sort of one of the new, the new very common styles of beer. Um, it's a New England IPA, um, which tends to be, you know, if you look at the at the appearance of it, it's quite hazy. Um, some people describe it as soupy. We call it by its proper term, it's hazy. I mean, it's that's classic of a of a New England IPA. Um, it's very powerful in the hops. Um, it's quite an expensive beer to make because American hops versus English hops. Expensive, yeah. Um, they tend to be quite strong in alcohol. They tend to be north of 5%. I think this one's uh, 5.8. But again, we've tried to get the balance. We don't want it to be ridiculously hoppy. You know, we we try to get that balance. You know, we we want something that people want to drink and come back for a second pint, a third pint perhaps, not necessarily, of course, a 6% beer. We don't want people getting overly Mm. drunk. But, um, you know, we we just want to create beer that's... um, it's very distinctive. Do you think, Eddie? Oh, yeah, yeah. Very. Really <clears throat> the style is very low in bitterness, so it yeah. comes across it's very soft. It's. What's the difference between... Because I'm going to go on to my favourite in a minute because I can't wait. Um, what's the difference between an Indian pale ale and a pale ale? Is there any difference? A IPA, Indian pale ale? There is now. Um, I need to give you just a really quick history lesson. So India pale ale was a style of beer that existed already it was called October beer and it was brewed in the 18th century got its name India because it was first exported from the East India Dock in London going out to the Indies it was rebranded as India Pale Ale decades after it had first arrived in the subcontinent it was a strongish beer so it was probably eight percent and it was it had hops it was pale in color and very few beers were pale at those at that time a domestic version of india pale ale started to be brewed and to differentiate it from other beers in the pub so you'd go to the pub and people started saying um, oh i'll have the bitter one because it was bitter flavoured in comparison to so porter. porter and a mild. Um, so that's where the nickname bitter came from for that style of uh, beer. So it was a domestic version, lower alcohol, of an India pale ale. Nowadays, IPA, India pale ale, is completely different to a bitter. Paler in colour, much more dominated by hops. If you brew in a new world style IPA, and IPA became the talisman of the craft beer revolution. And it's... I describe it as a palette for brewers to basically, it's a canvas that they can do their own version of a beer on. You get sour IPAs, you get black IPAs, all sorts of different IPAs. New England IPAs, a newish one, low bitterness. It's just a beer style that 
lends itself to lots of experimentation and it's the most popular style of ale in the world. 25% of of ale brewed in the world now in the craft beer sector is that one style or versions of. Now, we're coming to my favourite bit. This is um, Eddie's uh, Dog Bolter. Uh, I think it's called. Yes, that's the one. Uh, and so it's Gad's uh, Dog Bolter, bottle conditioned ale, dark like a, like you, you'd think of as a Guinness or something like that. Porters and stouts are made much more with malt. All beer is made with malt. Yeah, but, but it's dark be a, malt. There'll be a malt. Will there be more malt in a porter than a let's say an IPA? If you think of hops as being herbs and spices, you sprinkle your hops in. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Your malt <laughs> is the ingredient that makes beer beer and not something else. So your yep. malt is like the number one, apart from water, the number one. It's the different malts, basically, yep. and it's the darkness and the, the dominance of the malts in a, in a porter and a dark stout. There are pale stouts as well, by the way. Um, yeah, you'd call that malty, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. I love that, Eddie. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> that was absolutely gorgeous. It's really nice, isn't it? I do it's a real like classic, it. classic wow. porter, it is a isn't it? Classic old-fashioned porter. Mm. You couldn't get more different from the um, from this one we just had earlier, the uh, the Wonderland New England IPA. Yeah, that's I mean, the range you're talking spectrum. about. Almost, yeah, yeah, definitely completely different. Both beautiful, both completely different taste profiles. So when people say, "Oh, I don't like beer," oh no, it makes me laugh. Well, I say to them, "Well, what is beer?" <laughs> And they're thinking beer is a pint of bitter down down the pub. It's not. Mm. You know, there is a beer for everybody. I I know there is a beer for everybody. Is that true? Must be. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few for me. Yeah, <laughs> all for me, actually. All. There isn't well, a beer style that I don't like, actually. Actually, if I had to choose one, it would be New England IPA. I'd go, no, no thanks. Because I love bitterness. And yours is bitterer than a lot of them. A lot of those New England IPAs taste like umbongo juice. They taste like... Mm childish fruit juice you know that's just not beer no i think those i think those goes, i think those goes too far yeah. was, which is why i was asking you is that coming out of the hops or is it something that's been added because because it just tastes nice as a as, as just a natural thing mm. as i said right we've got cellar head and we've got uh gads um both kent brewers um we're very good at beer in kent i think sorry everybody but i think we are um and all of these are available in different outlets and pubs and and shops and all that sort of stuff. but but i presume you can order you you get these in pubs as well yeah um all our beers are available in keg obviously the can side is in keg which um and we've got our cast products and but they're available online through a web shop and in various outlets throughout Kent and Sussex. Brilliant. So we'll have links to that. Uh, is it the same uh, with yours, Eddie? All, all around, all sorts of ways of getting hold of your stuff. Yes. There, well, there is now, thanks to the pandemic. Before, <laughs> prior to the pandemic, it was pretty difficult to find our bill or even to buy it from us. But yeah. we had to up our game as soon as the pub shop. Yeah. So, so it can be gone, and we will definitely give links. Um, and and Jane, if somebody wants to learn more about beer, you know, where can they find out more? What's the what's the best? I know you do these tastings and all these sorts of other things, but but if you wanted to really learn, loads of people do wine tastings. Mm-hmm. Um, we should be we should be getting a bit more familiar with our beer tasting, shouldn't we? Oh, I agree. I mean, well, not as alcoholic. 
more refreshing. Yeah, definitely. More nutritious. I mean, there's so so many health benefits to, to beer and nutrition. I have an e-learning platform, by the way, School of Booze. Ah, and so I have could... downloadable courses in beer, cider and wine as well, actually. But um, if people want to learn more about beer, they should go to the School of go. Booze. Okay, so we would definitely... Take a downloadable course. Do a link of that. Well, um, you won't believe it, but the programme time is up again. No. Half an hour's gone really quickly. Um, so you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. Uh, we're syndicated to radio stations across the UK and further afield as well as being available on Audible, Spotify, Google, you name it, all those things. Thank you, Jane. I learned so much today. Thank you so much. Oh, pleasure. Well, we had some great beers to to learn with, didn't we? Amazing beers, yeah. And thank you to those lovely people at Produced in Kent who are our partners. Um, Next week... We couldn't be more different, really. We're going to be talking to Nikki Crawley and Tracy Bush about that wondrous little thing that grows underground, the potato. I love potatoes. I love potatoes so much. Mm. So, um, thank Especially you so... beer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you were talking about mash. <laughs> mash and beer. Marvellous. Um, so, if you'd uh, like to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts going back, oh, years and years and years, um, on all sorts of topics from snail farming to gin making, please go to foodtalk.co.uk. Thanks again to Chris McKenzie and Eddie Gadd, and have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.